This is the Fathering Project podcast, Figuring It Out Together, where we tackle many challenges facing dads and father figures and explore fathering across all ages, from newborns to toddlers, school age and teenagers. We speak with experts in their fields to help you navigate solutions and positive outcomes for each stage of your fathering journey. Let's figure it out together. Hello and welcome to the Fathering Project podcast. Katia Gapaya here. And today I'm really pleased to be joined by Michael Ray. Michael's an amazing solo dad to his daughter, Charlie. He's a speaker, advocate for seeing change with regard to parental equality. And he's also author of his book published in 2021, Who Knew? In today's podcast, we'll be chatting about the importance of fathers as role models to their kids and Michael's journey to date raising his daughter as a solo dad. Michael, we've been following your journey for some time now, and we're absolutely thrilled to have you join us today. Welcome. Thanks, Katie, and it's a, it's a huge privilege to be on the Fathering Project. I love the work that uh, the team are doing. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I'm going to jump into the first question. Um, you're a role model for all the single dads out there, and for your daughter, Charlie, of course. You're also a big advocate for equality when it comes to parental roles. Can you tell us a little more about your journey and how you've got to where you are today? Oh, Katie, I, I had no idea. I would have slept walked into the normal heteronormative breadwinner type uh, father role as my dad did. Mum and dad were married their whole lives. It was a successful relationship. Dad worked hard and uh, mum ran the house. And it wasn't until my daughter was nine months old and uh, we separated. And then suddenly at two years old, uh, I became the sole parent with Charlie's mum no longer in her life. And suddenly all of the other stuff that uh, I hadn't noticed became abundantly clear all in one go. So uh, the world didn't really um, set up for fathers. Everything was about mothers, all the information, all of the books, even the nursery rhymes were all about uh, mums and bubs. And so having to edit on the fly, I'm, I'm no Dr. Zeus. And so I would ruin the rhyme in any fairy tale, but uh, trying to keep mum out and put dad in, it was really hard. And then through that, just some of the other things started going, you know what, um, I don't need to doubt myself. As a father, I came to this with absolutely no preparation, but the good thing was I didn't have the weight of expectations on me. I wasn't meant to be good at it because I was just a bloke and blokes don't really know what they're doing was the uh, thing, but it really made me doubt myself, Katie. Yes, I can understand. From childbirth, the focus is on the mother and it's like dads get a little left out, which sets the precedence um, for the dad feeling like he's on the outer from the beginning. So you have to proactively get involved and engaged and, and be there, don't you? Yeah, well, it's funny. Now, every time I, I see something that uh, affects mothers, I look at the flip side of that same coin and there's an exact mirror copy of something that's happening to fathers. So when we hear a lot of um, mothers saying that, well, mothering is unpaid and undervalued, well, my response to that is you want to see undervalued. Dads are provided with two weeks at minimum pay to be involved in the child's life. So as far as undervalued as a parent goes, Dads are the screaming example of it. And now just recently with the federal government's uh, amendment to the parental leave scheme where dads were reserved two weeks out of the 18, they've now gone, well, 
all 20 weeks can be split, but, you know, there's no reserve specialised parts of fathers. So I have no doubt that this will be a regressive move because dads earn more. And so it will be, well, I can take 10 weeks at minimum pay or I can keep providing for the family. And sadly, I think this will put dads even further out of the child's life from the beginning. Yes, unfortunately, um, it's uh, we've got to work harder at um, having that um, equality at home and at work, obviously. Now, it, it hasn't come without its challenges, and we know the catalyst for you was when you weren't allowed into Charlie's ballet dressing room. Can you expand a little further on what happened there? Well, Charlie and I had chuffed off to ballet, and uh, it was an amazing time that preschool where the days, days were ours, so you know it was great, and I managed to rearrange my whole work schedule so that I could spend as much time with my daughter. And um, We'd been at ballet school from three-year-old, had the concert at the four-year-old concert, they sent out the information and it was all, um, we expect mothers to ensure the lipstick is issued. Mothers need to be there for the full three-hour dress rehearsal. Mothers need to this. There's a special mummy me ticket order. And right at the bottom of the information, there was, and there are no males allowed in the backstage area. So I just presumed, while well, it's just a standard pro forma letter that's gone out at the, the pre-concert meeting, I've raised the point and, and they said, well, sorry, Michael, it's uh, a child protection issue. And I said, well, I've got my working with children's check. I've been a swim teacher for a million years. And I'm sorry, but there's no one else. They asked if I, Charlie had a, a grandma or an auntie. I said, well, she's got both of those, but I'm her parent. And they said, well, you need to realise it's not about you, Michael. It's about the other children. And I said, exactly. It's not about me. It's about my daughter not being the only child backstage without a parent, to have her the thought of her looking around and going, with a parent, with a parent, with a parent, with a parent, here I am on my own, was something I just couldn't accept. There are also two boys in the class. So then they raised the point of, well, the girls might be uncomfortable with you there. And I said, well, there are two boys. Are they uncomfortable with the mums around? Luckily, my, my mum posse had my back and they all said, well, we've got no problem with it. and. Fortunately, one of the other mums was a friend of Susie O'Brien from the Herald Sun, and she contacted Susie. Susie rang me that afternoon, and it hit the media. And within a couple of days, we were on every news channel. We were on BBC. We were in the newspapers. And it was fair to say when I walked back in there for the meeting, I was sort of a little bit uh, sorry. And, uh, of course, it got overturned. And from that point on, I really became aware of, the some of it unconscious and some of it just obvious bias we're dads we're parents so and we just need to be parents we've been abused for using our parents rooms we've I've had people challenge me for taking pictures of my uh, daughter at the beach when she's building a sandcastle wanting to know what I was doing um, I even wrote an article about co-sleeping and I had a close friend say oh are you sure because I used to love Charlie coming into my bed when she was doing it. Oh, are you sure? Like people could read it. And, and I'd say, well, no, I'm, would they do it with a mum with her son? Why should we, uh, you know, bow down to this? And this is so common and it's just dragging us all back. 
Yeah, there are still stigmas that um, exist with regard to parenting and the difference between, as you say, mothers and fathers. So well done for breaking that one down. That's great. Thanks, Hattie. Great win. So being a single parent can be tough and being a solo dad can even be more difficult given the unconscious gender bias that still exists in society as we've been discussing. How do you think this has impacted you as a father to Charlie and who you are today? Well, Kelly, I actually find found, because now I have the most wonderful uh, partner in the world and we will be getting married early next year unless she comes to all senses. But um, for the first five years of after Charlie's mum stepped out of her life, I made a conscious decision not to get involved because I couldn't have people coming and going in Charlie's life. And I just wanted to focus because I, I enjoyed it. And it was a lot easier for me to be a solo parent than trying to be a parent in a relationship. One less plate to keep spinning. You know, it was just a matter of me and Charlie, what we wanted to do. And um, when I speak to dads, and because of the space I work in, I see so many dads that are marginalised in their kid's life. And we we know that fear, whether it's right or wrong, that the family court's going to be a barrier. And so it just felt like, you know what, I've got everything. I'm not going to uh, lose it. So I wanted to make the most of it because I'm sure whether Charlie's mum was going to re-enter her life or or uh, anything like that. So it was great. Friday nights used to be David Attenborough in bed after dinner, watch that, you know, cuddles. Saturday I would have to work, but Sunday was Charlie's day. So she would get to pick what we did, where we went, even what we ate. So she would start Saturday night with a big list and a checklist. And, hey, we do this up to you, but you, you choose and Sunday's your day. So being a single parent there was good but I work for myself. So I didn't have the workplace pressures and I was able to prioritise that. And financially, it, it was a little bit hard, but the rewards were, were well worth it. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, I also love what you've said, and I quote, uh, when men are recognised and admired for their nurturing and raising of the next generation instead of their income, positional power, a paradigm will finally shift. When men are held equally responsible for raising the next generation, women will achieve true equality in the workplace. That is so true. Yeah. Gabby, that's, that's why I'd say to dads, I, I'm the same. I'm, I'm insecure. I'm awkward. I've got all of these problems that, that go with um, being looked at, maybe not as what I, people would expect from me. But that's why I say to the dads, you know, when you're awkward in those mums groups, it's because you're telling yourself a story about the story you're imagining they're telling themselves about you. And so, you know, the, the number of times I've been the only dad in a group, especially preschool when it's ballet or dance class or gymnastics, and I'm the only dad there, and just to be able to say, you know what, I feel awkward, I don't know what they're thinking about, and I, I'll mention, oh, you know, I'm a bit uncomfortable being, and they're so welcoming and so supportive, but dads, you can't be that island on your own because the best thing about being a solo dad is when you have the support of the village. And if I'm running 10 minutes late for pickup, to be able to pick up the phone to one of Charlie's schoolmates' mums and say, oh, I'm running 10 minutes late, can you take it back to her place? That's the biggest difference between being a single dad and being a single mum. Mum have that phone full of people they can call at an instant to to support a lot of us dads won't reach out and won't ask for that support 
and we don't have the village because all of our mates, our group, are in the same position as us. We're working. We don't have those contacts. So, you know, it's get in and get involved, guys. And that's why I always say with fatherhood, just change the stories and you'll change the man. That's very true. And um, one of the reasons we establish at the Fathering Project um, dads groups is because those mums groups, when the children are born, create that bond between mums. So we create dads groups and to do the same thing for dads, to create that bond for dads. So they can call each other and say, hey, you know, would you mind picking up, um, you know, my child today because I'm running 10 minutes late. It's very, very important to have that support and the village around you. Yeah. But Katie, it's even like we see now that we allow people to monitor, administer their own pain medication, the green whistle, where we find that just knowing that you're in control of your own pain control, you use less of it. And just knowing that you have that support and if need be, you can rely on it, drops the stress levels down. Even if you never use it, just knowing, you know what, I can do this and if need be, and suddenly the world opens up, but you can't do it on your own. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I think you're doing an amazing job at changing the way the parental role is viewed in society. Thank you from all of us. Um, Michael, you're also setting a great example to Charlie by advocating and modelling equality. And we heard that she recently broke a record for powerlifting. What an incredible achievement for both you and Charlie. Congratulations. Powerlifting isn't typically geared towards girls, especially at her age. Can you tell us how this came about? Um, Caddy, I remember thinking back with my dad, the, the only clashes we really had is I desperately wanted to be like my dad and my dad desperately wanted me to be better than him. And so I figure that, gee, my daughter's going to want to be like us, especially we find um, girls get their role models from within the family. Boys look outside, so sporting heroes, movie heroes, all of those things, but girls really look within the family. So realising that my daughter wants to be exactly like me really made me uh, lift my game, but it's followed along because I hold an Australian powerlifting record or a few of them. She's always been around because we're together 24-7. She used to present the trophies at the contest when I would be the MC. She used to come and watch me. And so it just progressed, but I would go to the gym. She would come to the gym. So then she said, Dad, can I try it? Sure. Well, it turns out she broke the, smashed the Australian record at her, her uh, second uh, competition. The same with during lockdown, I wrote, who knew my first book, during the second lockdown, she wrote her own book. She wanted to give that a try. So it really is monkey see, monkey do. And I'm sure she doesn't listen, but gee, she pays attention to what I'm doing. Oh, they, they pay attention to everything, children. We talk a lot at the Fathering Project about the importance of fathers supporting their daughters in anything they want to do and exposing them to typically male-dominated activities, pushing them out of their comfort zones and encouraging them because it builds their confidence. So that's a wonderful thing to do. And, of course, when fathers model that equality, then you set the standard for what Charlie will expect as she moves into adulthood herself. That's wonderful. Yeah. It's funny, Caddy. She says, I love to beat the boys. I've gone, but why do you like to beat the boys? They're not the best at everything. So you just need to beat yourself. So stop going, well, the boys are the gold standard and I want to be better than them. No, you want to set your own standard. Brilliant. Thank you. That's a wonderful thing to say. 
Now, you're clearly a significant and strong role model in Charlie's life and empowering her to grow into a confident woman. From your own experience so far, what are your three key tips for dads to be good role models, especially for their daughters? Um, The minute you hear your child or your voice coming out of your child's mouth, it really makes you uh, lift your game. So my main one with dads is don't be large and in charge. Be the guide by the side. So parenting at its best should be questionable. Ask questions. Don't don't give answers. So my daughter, Dad, how do I spell this? And it's always, well, how do you think? And I wanted to question everything, even me, and it can be exhausting sometimes. But our kids are exactly who they're meant to be at that stage. So number one is ask questions, don't, don't tell. And it gives the children a real sense of autonomy. The second one is be careful saying be careful. I'd rather say what's the plan? Because when we say be careful, suddenly it's it's like a flashing red light. Oh, something's wrong. And we can actually shut down the upstairs part of the brain that does the reasoning, in put it into the downstairs where it's dangerous. So, Dad, I'm going to, okay, well, what's the plan? Or, Dad, I want to do this. Okay, well, what's the plan? And if they come back, well, I don't know, well, you need a plan. And, well, what do you think I should do? Well, what do you think you should do? And just don't resist giving that answer. And the third one would have to be um, decide. I've always finished my talks with actually three questions. I'll get in on one go here, Caddy. I finished my talks with three questions. And the first one is decide what sort of father you want to be. That's it. Just go, in a perfect world, what sort of dad would I be? Would I be tolerant? Not about the things you would do, but who you would be. So what sort of dad do you want to be? The second question is, what stories do you want your children to tell their children about you when you're no longer there? What memories do you want to talk about? And then the last one is, what are you waiting for? Because the time is never, ever too late to be exactly the parent that your child needs. Not ever. You might have messed up or not been there when they were an infant. You could have done everything wrong in your books when they were a toddler. You could have clashed when you're a teenager. Now they're a parent. It's still never too late to go, you know what, this is what my child needs and I'm going to be that parent. So those three, you know, what sort of father do you want to be? What memories and what are you waiting for? Fantastic. Great tips. It's so important to be in the moment and present with your child. Of course, they grow up so fast and really taking the time to foster that um, father-child bond or in your case father-daughter bond is absolutely key now lastly for all the single dads listening what message do you have for them michael um you you've got to throw out the program we've had it all our lives we've had mother knows best only a mother's love maternal instinct all of these things it's not that hard guys it's really not that hard especially when you don't don't doubt yourself good enough parenting is actually excellent parenting. This Instagrammable rubbish that we see where everything's perfect, just get in and be connected. The quality of time that we have is often inverse to the quantity of time. So the quantity is often taken away, especially as single parents. We've got to pay bills. We've got to put food on the table. We've got to be at work. So quantity is out of our control. The quality is 100% within your control. So whether it's a blanket fort and fish and chips on a Friday night, whether it's 10 minutes on the bed, just telling stories, making jokes, the moments between the moments 
is where the gold and the connection and the love love lies as far as I'm concerned. So don't beat yourself up about what you can do. Get rid of that because we hear so much about mum guilt. I hear just as much about dad guilt. Just the other week I did a talk. We had 80 men and 30 women in the room. I think I had 90 people crying at one stage when we started talking about the guilt we've all felt. It's normal. Put your hand up, boys, and, you know, just say none of the other stuff matters. I'm not going to fall into the trap of comparison or what I think I should do. And when somebody gives you advice, just tell them, thanks, but I got this. Because realise a lot of these compliments, while well-meaning, and I love a compliment as much as the next guy, probably even more because of my insecurities, some of it's patronising. Some of it's like, oh, aren't you good? You did a French braid. I didn't cure cancer. I'm a parent. We're all parents. There are good ones and there are, you know, not so good ones, but all of them are doing their best and that's all we can ask for you and enjoy it. Fantastic. It can be a tough road to navigate, but making your child the focus and being the best dad you can be. Yep. That's so important, isn't it? 100%. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing a little snippet of your fathering journey with us and our listeners. Your passion and approach to fatherhood is absolutely inspiring. And Charlie is a very lucky girl to have a dad like you. Listeners, as I mentioned earlier, Michael has a fantastic book, Who Knew?, which delves deeper into his fathering journey of raising Charlie. Head to Michael's website, michaelray.com.au to check it out. The link will also be up on the Fathering channel. Michael, once again, thank you so much for your time today and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much, Caddy. Really appreciate it. Thank you.